0: Time for some Overlook stocks. George Tillis is the movers that you missed in today's action. GT joins us from Salt Lake. He's got three companies on his mind. Some pretty cool stuff in your list today, George. Let's start. With one that's been moving, today it took a bit of a pause. Lithium Americas, based in Canada, and one that, though, has been catching a lot of attention. Seen it trending on Twitter a few times. Even got someone I know messaging me about it. Things been on the move.
1: It has, OJ. We talked about uh, another company the other day, Standard Lithium, uh, which is in the lithium space. I think there's a, there's something going on from a policy standpoint with lithium, especially lithium uh, producers and expected producers in the North American, actually South American region of the world. So as you mentioned, Lithium America is, is a Canadian company, but they're a company that doesn't necessarily have operations right now. Their operations were halted in which they had some in Nevada. This was back in 2018. They're actually looking to reopen their property in Nevada, but they also have two properties in Argentina, which they expect one of them to open starting in 2022 for uh, for full-scale production. But we know that from a policy standpoint, there seems to be a, an impetus or a catalyst towards domestic lithium production. We know the electric vehicles. Uh, in terms of scalability, more production decreases the cost. And I think what we're seeing starting to see is closer point of production not necessarily just in uh, automobiles but also in materials and in this particular instance lithium uh, uh, refining uh, closer to the point of production domestically in the united states so uh, like i said uh, there are three plants one in nevada two in argentina one is expected to open in 2022 and uh as the prices continue to move to the upside i mean the stock is up about 190 percent on a year-to-date basis (laughs) Uh, I think it's part of this uh, EV trend that we have to keep in yeah. mind is really uh, catching wind. But I think also you got to think about uh, policy and supply chain disruptions. Uh, anything that's to do with China seems to be uh, very challenged right now. And I think the point of production in the United States needs uh, a closer supply of uh, embedded lithium. And I think what we're starting to see is the market develop to, uh, from a policy standpoint to, uh, to of course, support those industries that are producing at the very least in North and South America.
0: Georgia, how do you figure out as a trader uh, or investor, I mean, I guess if you're an investor and you're long-term in the belief for the EVs, perhaps you view this as a long-term buy and hold. I know there's many people who view these trades like that, but there's also a lot of folks who are buying options in these that have been long in these big moves to the upside kind of a little bit of a meme stock to some degree when you're in these hot areas, like the metals tied to the electric vehicle space, because we were just looking at standard lithium, right? And the rollover there that happened, what's to say that couldn't happen in a lithium Americas? How do you figure out in these trades what the catalyst is gonna be for downside volatility as well? It seems like the upside is kind of just the baseline. How do you make sure you don't walk into any potholes?
1: Well, yeah, these are all good questions. I mean, first off, if you look at Lithium America, you look at standard lithium, there's quite a bit of beta volatility in these two names. Albemarine, which is another large lithium producer yep. in North America. ALB. Is a little bit More stable. Yeah, ALB. If you look at lit, LIT, which is basically an ETF of lithium producers, you're going to see less beta there. So, ah. look, if you're picking individual lithium names, OJ, you have to accept that there's going to be idiosyncratic risk associated with them, especially... Companies that have had revenue in the past, and I haven't seen uh, Lithium America's revenue since 2018 because they had their Nevada plant shut down for regulatory reasons. But I think the regulatory concerns over that plant are sort of abated. I think what we're starting to see is, is that the Biden administration is very, very keen on domestic production for anything EV, especially anything that perhaps has to do with mining and, of course, some of the, uh, the, uh, the externalities associated or, if you will, pollution associated with mining. I think when it it comes down to EV, there's a lot of policy support. The other thing is analysts. There are 11 analysts that cover, sorry, 14 analysts that cover the company. Uh, Now you see Piper Sandler raise their target. They were behind the curve from 22 to 32. And this is based upon the expected revenue to start in 2022. So how do you trade this? I think long options, OJ, are really really speculative in nature and, of course, very risky. And that's the case for all options that are just uh, straight-up longs. If you're long stock, I mean, these trends can continue for quite some time uh, to our disbelief. Uh, we don't know when the trend can end. But at the end of the day, you know, a good rule of thumb is, is if you participate in a stock like this from a stock standpoint, I'm going to leave options to the side, You know, 30-period moving average and set stop losses at a trailing level, maybe 2 or 3% below that. So you have to accept some risk. But as long as the stock price is above a 30-period moving average, we could sense that the intermediate trend is still to the upside. And therefore, we could use that as a stop-loss benchmark if, you know one wants to participate or is participating in the stock already
0: all right so message is uh, be prepared for vol in both ways have a strategy for that if you just want exposure to the space with less swinginess lit the etf one way to do that uh, georgia saw that their earnings their loss was bigger in the last quarter they just reported last week than the previous quarter. So their loss widened out. Is that not a problem right now if the market is just so focused on government support and initiatives for these programs?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think despite the uh, the higher than expected loss, it gives you an idea of the company is obviously spending quite a bit of money to bring their plants into operations, like I said. They don't have revenues going for them, at least on the trailing four-quarter basis. and So therefore, it's hard to gauge the company's valuation based upon that. But I think if you look at the analyst upgrades, they're looking forward. And so despite the fact that there is a higher than uh, expected loss based on last quarter's earnings is sort of negated, everyone's looking forward. And you also have to think, you know, embedded in this infrastructure bill, which is quite large at $1.75 trillion, there's probably a lot of. Catalyst either through direct or indirect support for these businesses, uh, anything has to do with uh, North American production outside of China. I think mm. uh, there's going to be a lot of policy support, but that's not enough. We have to keep in mind that companies do have to generate some sort of subsidies alone uh, forever. And, but we do see certainly a positive okay. catalyst associated with the EV trends, the supply chain concerns, especially from Asia, uh, as well as again, uh, the uh, the policy support associated with anything infrastructure related yeah. or EV related.
0: All right. So right now they are riding the expectations of more uh, expenditures yeah. from the government, and also that they get that Nevada plant uh, uh, running. As uh, a big uh, you know hurdle right now is some of that opposition is mounted against um, the Nevada plant. Okay, George, let's keep it going here. A few others that you got on your radar astra space improving life life on earth from space is what they uh claim to do george all right what are we looking at here
1: oh well so oj we talked about the space industry it's not necessarily about space tourism that does right it's about spreading spacks that then blow up yeah that's right well here's this is astra uh, space is basically a space company it was a reverse merger via Spac. Holicity uh, was the company that they uh, they merged into. This is certainly a high-risk name you got to keep in mind, but space is really not about space tourism. It's all about communications, mm-hmm. especially uh, deployment of low-orbit satellites for for telecom, for communications. Uh, we're eventually going to be moving away from the ground towers for 5G to satellite. Now, satellite communications do exist currently. Unfortunately, it's very slow. Pretty spotty. Uh, but eventually, we will see a complete overlap or overlay, if you will, uh, a mesh that gives us complete coverage from a cellular standpoint where there's no more dropping calls, mm. but that's a, that's a technology that's developing and that's what space is all about. So- I thought we were just getting 5G.
0: Uh, it, I thought we were just getting 5G. George, yeah. no wonder the stock stinks. Isn't this like way, way, way out in the future?
1: Yeah, that's exactly, that's, what, that's my point too, OJ. You gotta think about, 5G is just recently deployed But just think about 5G with unlimited coverage. That's really what this whole space orbit satellite business is about, including companies like Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin from Amazon, Space. Hey, it
0: seems cool. Uh, I'm not dogging the tech. I'm just saying it traded 22 bucks and then went down to seven.
1: Yeah. So you got to keep in mind, I mean, the news today was its first successful launch, uh, which actually occurred on the November, on November 19th. They actually launched a, a first successful launch. They had one ex- unsuccessful one a couple months ago uh, on behalf of the uh, U.S. Air Force. So we do have commercial as well as military applications here for Astra. Now, the other thing is, is uh, the elements of space tourism. That's not Astra's business. They actually, they, they actually are very pronounced about saying that. We're not focused at all on on consumer tourism. It's really about commercial and military deployment. But look, it's a pre-revenue company and anything with pre-revenue is hard to gauge from a uh, valuation standpoint, but they did at least launch one successful one this year. They expect three, so we'll see if they get the other two in this year. They do expect uh, about uh, 300 launches now by 2025. Uh, Only $4 million in revenue are expected this year, about 10 times that amount next year. But at the end of the day, you know we're not seeing anything when it comes down to substantial EBITDA for this company until 2024, 2025. So that's a long way down the road. Uh, things can change, certainly, and there's a lot of competition already in the space. But one of the things about Astra, that they did found that's actually a little bit different than its competitors, is they really focus on smaller footprint launches and, and smaller and highly scalable uh, uh, rockets. In other words, smaller operations, uh, again, a little bit more easy to deploy uh for customers based upon location uh outside of traditional launch locations which are typically done in places like texas or california
0: all right. Uh, okay. So look, it sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty far away in the future. Yeah. I guess uh, we'll see how the tank develops. I mean, uh, look, stock doing crazy things uh, after uh, some of the analysts love for this company and uh, the successful launch covered by TechCrunch and stuff. So uh, you know, they've got some cool tech, obviously, uh, that uh, some apparently they can orbit faster than SpaceX. But uh, it was also a crazy intraday move, too. I mean, it opened up, yes. pushing $16 uh, overnight, and it slipped down to 11 So it seems like you really, really need to trade carefully uh, in some of these companies. And I mean, honestly, just look at the chart. Lower highs since the SPAC. These things are a total minefield. Uh, even eight nine months later after the debuts just so many of these companies have been a total disaster for shareholders since they got in there's no other way around it doesn't matter if the tech is cool price has been disaster george last one at core atkr this is a pretty nice looking chart
1: yeah really nice chart for the company i mean company that it's not free revenue this is a company that makes revenues that generates profits and is up 180 or so percent on a year-to-day basis but Essentially, it's a diversified industrial company. The focal point for their uh, their, their uh, materials uh, and their industry is essentially electrical and infrastructure-based engineered products. And these this include things like electrical electrical conduits, metal-clad cables. Uh, there's a lot of cabling that's utilized in bridge uh, bridge building, but also things like galvanized uh, steel products, as well as Fencing and, of course, uh, uh, metal conduits for the uh, for the residential space. But one of the things about Atcor is it's one of the only three uh, major North American producers and sellers of PVC conduit. And PVC, polyvinyl chloride conduit, or uh, uh, plastic-cladded conduit, is in high demand right now. And there's a big shortage of uh, of uh, vinyl chloride chemicals used for manufacturing. So there's a huge catalyst not only just from the supply tra- tra- uh, uh, strain constraints that we've seen for uh, for many materials, but also infrastructure spend. So you're getting a double catalyst for Atcor. They did recently report earnings uh, last week, the company's sales growth. I went and looked back six months ago, it was on a year-by-year basis, run at 40%. Now, now come two quarters later, they recently recorded 93% revenue growth, they beat expectations on, on, on EBITDA margins and earnings, and uh, the trend is still to the upside for this company, which is, like I said, generating uh, very strong revenue growth, but also EBITDA, EBITDA growth because of pricing power. And when you are actually in a, in a business uh, in which your product is in high demand, you have pricing power, there are few suppliers that compete with you, all these things line up to profitability and price action, and that's what we're seeing. And now. Uh, analysts at Credit Suisse, which actually had an $87 price target on the stock about um, uh, six months ago, are now ratcheting their targets to 121 from 107, which they had last quarter. So, uh, Citigroup is another analyst that upped their price target to 123 from 102 on this company, where we know that supply and demand uh, and, uh, imbalances are creating, you know, gains for many companies, and this is an example of such that uh, is benefiting from infrastructure spend, supply chain disruptions, but also being Mm. in a market, uh, especially in PVC-clad conduits that's in high demand and there are very few suppliers.
0: Okay, all right, Uh, interesting. So kind of a a more old-school infrastructure, but still tech connection, right? All that PVC stuff is covering up important cables that allow us to do cool things with all of our devices and our tech. Might not sound as cool as space data, but the chart sure looks a lot better. Uh, but, uh, George, we gotta go nicely. All right. Nice work. All right.